Pat McAfee. How's it going, man? Life is good. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chit-chat about Fourth Down. I've listened to the Fourth Down experience before. I've heard a couple conversations. I like what you guys are doing. I'm excited to be a guest here. This is awesome. You and Gary Vee were probably our two biggest influences just to give us confidence to go forward with the special teams podcast. So thanks for everything, actually. No problem. That's a real honor for you to say that. I appreciate it. Uh, I think my approach to the game is something that people could enjoy, so I thank you for doing that. And me and Gary V, uh, being in the same sentence is truly a beautiful thing. I like that guy a lot. Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champion, nine-year pro kicking coach, rep in the South, Coach Brian Jackson! Welcome to the Fort Down Experience Podcast. I'm Brian Jackson, 4DE Nation. Welcome Chris Hughesby. Chris, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well, Brian. Very excited for today's interview. Absolutely. We have a 22-year NFL veteran, uh, several years with the Chargers as well as the Saints. We have John Carney in, in charge of Carney Training Facility. John, how are you? Doing great, Brian and Chris. Thanks for having me on. Hey, John. Thanks for being on the 4th Down Experience. Super excited to have you on, and uh, and obviously thanks again. My pleasure. John, so uh, we're going to kind of do this podcast uh, a little different than what we're used to. We usually like to start at the, you know, where folks are at now and move backwards. But actually, we're going to start with you kind of in your beginning stages. So we'll just kind of start off with uh, this first question, pretty broad question. Uh, how did you get into kicking? Uh, great question. So soccer player, like many of the kickers and punters out there uh, throughout uh, my junior high and high school years, Went to a high school by the name of Cardinal Newman High School in West Palm Beach, Florida. And we had a very great football program established there, run by Coach Sam Bunnick, who coached there for, I think, a gazillion years and owns all kinds of uh, high school state records as a, a head football coach. And um, it was just a uh, like a rite of passage. If you were a, a male at the school, you were expected to go out for the football team. And so... That's what my buddies were doing, so that's what I did. Uh, thought I was a receiver. <laughs> uh, soon found out I wasn't. Uh, but the guys that were kicking and punting the football at that time, and this was uh, the early 80s, they were all football guys, not, no soccer background. Uh, the guys that were kicking the field goals were the, the old traditional toe kick, uh, straight-ahead type of kicking style. Uh, and so I figured, well, I can kick a soccer ball pretty well, I guess let's let's try this football thing, and maybe I can get off the bench. And so, my goal in high school was just to kick and punt at the high school level. Never had dreams of going beyond high school, but I just wanted to get off the bench and 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 do something on the field that uh, that was enjoyable and that hopefully would be a positive uh, influence on the team. And so that's that's how I got into kicking. Well, that's great. It's uh, you know, it's fun. Is you know, this was pre-social media days. And I went through that as well. You know, I'm uh, a little bit younger than you, but I didn't have social media till I was just done with college. So I'm always kind of curious. What was you know once once you went through high school, what was the college recruiting process like as a as a senior? You know, what what did you go through to eventually you know end up at Notre Dame? 
Well, I can tell you it was the luck of the Irish for sure. Um, we had an All-American running back by the name of Alonzo Jefferson, and every school in the nation was recruiting him from USC, UCLA, Stanford, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, you name it. And so all the scouts were, were flooding into our school to see him. Uh, and my coach, uh, a Marine, former Marine, and also a Notre Dame graduate, would push a few other players towards those recruits when they came to visit to see Alonzo. And uh, he pushed me towards a Notre Dame uh, recruiter. Uh, Alonzo did accept a scholarship offer and play at Notre Dame. And they kind of looked at me and said, hey, you know what, we'll take you as a preferred walk-on. Um, we'll see what you can do. So it was a, my, my super-duper opportunity, you know, just luck of the draw that the Notre Dame came down to see our running back, and I just happened to be there. And Coach said a few nice things about me, and I made a few kicks and punts during my high school career, I guess, that were noteworthy. So uh, that's how I got the nod to get to Notre Dame. Nice. So... You know, as, as that coach is coming down to check out the other player and then, you know, interest starts brewing for you, like, what were you kind of thinking? Like, were you like, man, this is coming to fruition? Like, I'm actually going to be playing college football? Like, what were those feelings like? Uh, well, kind of surreal. I, 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 soccer was my first love. I really thought that if I did anything in college with sports, it would be with soccer. So this football thing came along and, uh my father had always been a huge Notre Dame fan. I knew what a great school, university, and, and football program it was. And so when, when this started to become a reality, I was like, wow, I, this is going to be awesome if they, if they allow me <laughs> to, uh, to come to their school and put a helmet on, then, um, then this will be fantastic. And so it happened. I remember them calling and I was home with my grandmother at the time, and I hung up the phone, and we did the Irish jig around the house. We were so happy, and uh, I think my father was walking on cloud nine as well. So, um, so that that's how the whole thing happened. The first time I stepped on the campus was for a summer football camp in August. Wow! So, who was the head coach at Notre Dame at the time you were there? Jerry Faust. Jerry Very Faust cool. okay. uh, had come out of Ohio. Uh, he, he was in a think third year, third or fourth year as the Notre Dame head football coach, and um, great guy, uh, very good coach. Unfortunately, things didn't work out the way he had hoped at Notre Dame, but um, loved the school and was a great representative of the school um, as, as a man and as a coach, and he's the one that gave me my opportunity. Great. What were, uh, what were some of your favorite memories during your college career? Well... Living in Southern California now, uh, one of my favorite memories was my, while my class was at Notre Dame, we went 4-0 against USC. So that was good. We didn't win any national championships, but we do have that uh, to brag about. Going uh, see, um, Let's see. Uh, we had a game-winner field goal against Navy my sophomore year. That was a lot of fun. Um, a game-winning field goal against USC my senior year. That was a lot of fun. Um, got to play with a lot of great players that were that you know had fantastic college careers and went out to the pros. Uh, Tim Brown was one year behind me, so I played three years with Tim, and then I played against him when he was with the Raiders and I was with the Chargers. Uh, Mark Bavaro was a great tight end uh, for the New York Giants. Got to play a couple years with Mark. 
he was a couple of years ahead of me. Um, Steve Berline, of course, had a great uh, NFL career as a starter and a backup. Uh, we played together all four, four years. In fact, Steve was my holder the second half of my senior year. Steve was my holder and, and the starting quarterback. And uh, just a lot of respect for Steve's intelligence as a quarterback and his ability. And he, he lives in Southern California now as well. We just were in a charity event a couple of weeks ago, and he's still tossing the ball around. Uh, so, uh, just a great, great experience and some great people uh, that I had an opportunity to play with or get coached by. And I wouldn't trade my four years at Notre Dame for anything. Well, it sounds like a fun experience. Uh, you know, one thing we always like to ask guys who, you know, just had, had great careers in college and then, you know, eventually start transitioning onto the NFL. When was, and this is obviously a different time without social media and everything like that, when was your aha moment when you thought maybe you had a chance to play at the next level? And then once you figured that out, what was that? What was the NFL draft process like for kickers in your era? Let's see. My sophomore year, my, my freshman year, uh, I, I was handling the kickoff duties. And my sophomore year, uh, I started the field goals uh, along with the kickoffs. And sophomore year statistically was my best year. And a few coaches said, hey, this kid, you know, he may be able to play on Sunday, blah, blah, blah. So that was the first time after my sophomore year that that had been mentioned, that there was a possibility that I could go on to the next level. Um, it wasn't that easy for me as, as I thought it would be, um, and many are in the same boat. You know, I graduated with the rankings that were out there, blessed up, whatever other ranking there is that ranks college at a, uh, college football players going into the NFL uh, they had me ranked somewhere between five and seven as far as the kickers coming out of school my senior year. Um, two were drafted my year. Uh, one was Jeff Jager, who had a fantastic career, became very good friends with Jeff. Uh, one was another kicker, I think out of Colorado State, who never really made it. Um, but I had to go to free agent route. My first camp was with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they were nice enough to keep me around for training camp and release me right before the first preseason game. Um, and then it was, uh, then it became a long road and journey of, of learning, of getting better, of paying attention to what the pros were doing, the veteran pros, um, and becoming, uh, a more consistent, stronger, more focused, uh, and more determined player to break into the ranks. And it, it took me over three years, um, to persevere and to, uh, to pretty much put everything all my eggs in one basket and move forward and chase this dream or this goal of playing on Sundays in the NFL. So here's a good question. Um, I think it'd be great for even all of us, Chris and I included. Um, obviously, kicking coaches were scarce back then. Even 20 years ago when I was going through the recruiting process, the only kicking coach I knew of was Carol White down here in the southeast. Um, so when you're going through this two- to three-year process and free agency route, were there any mentors or kicking coaches? Was it like Pelfrey or like was it, was it anyone that you worked with that helped you? Uh, I went to one kicking coach when I was between my junior and senior year. His name was Doc Story. He was out of southern Florida. Um, his biggest, most famous client was Danny Miller, who was an all-American. 
Um, I went to one of his camps and met Danny Miller, which was my goal because I had a lot of respect for him. And, and of course, we had a lot of coverage of the Miami Hurricanes and uh, a great kicker himself. Danny played for many years in the USFL. Uh, but when I graduated college, uh, there wasn't. Um, I don't know if Pelfrey had cranked up his business yet. I don't remember knowing about Pelfrey at that time, which would have been the late 80s. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a couple of friends, uh, peers, uh, one by the name of Dale. And we, we played against each other in high school. Uh, we were rivals. We kicked together in the, in the offseason in high school. He went on and played at Eastern Kentucky. And then he broke into the NFL prior, before I did, and, and got some playing time with the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings um, and was in and out of the NFL for about two years, and then he hung it up. Um, so we would kick together and discuss a lot of things. But outside of that, it was pretty much a solo existence. Um, training at uh, gyms by myself and uh, going to high school football fields or uh, just sports parks and kicking by myself and having a, a very clear idea of the veterans that I had along the way and the level I needed to reach if I was going to be competitive with them. It's so, it's so cool to hear you say, like, going to random fields and kick, because when we had Matt Bryant earlier on the podcast, he said very similar things. Like, he said that he had footballs in the back of his truck in, in Texas, and he would just randomly find a field with a pole and just kick at it. And what's so cool is seeing kids on Instagram today just kicking at trees in the backyard. You know, so it's kind of cool hearing, you know, even, you know, during your era and, and our era and even – even this day, there's so many similarities, you know. Absolutely, and I love Matt Bryant. I have the utmost respect for him. He, uh, like me, had a long road from college to the pros, and he stuck stuck it out and continued to get better and stronger. And as, as not many people know this, but is one of the top, if not the top, clutch kicker in the NFL. Um, clutch kicking, any any kick in the last two minutes of the game that ties or, or wins the game or a kick in overtime and his percentage the last i checked which was a few years ago uh was one of the best if not the best in the league so here's a question for you john i'm sorry chris for hogging all the questions man but i have a question though so 22 years you play in the league you know he's played is i think he's in the 20s now i believe uh he is uh so Obviously, you're in really good shape, you know, perceptionally, seeing you on Instagram and everything, it looks like you're in great shape, you know, but still with, with those, that many years of just kicking the football, I mean, I've, I've done 15 or 16 playing in the arena tiered leagues and all that. Um, do you have any certain body aches, you know, now that you're, I think you're in your mid fifties or, you know, like ankles or, or hips or back or anything like that? I've been very fortunate, um, to be honest with you, with my health. Uh, I think every kicker or punter has a back issue that we we manage. We learn to manage it. Uh, and if we do certain things in the weight room or or you know torque our lower back in in some form or fashion, we can we can lock it up or have problems with it. So we learn to manage it with stretching, with anti-inflammatories. Um, uh, with 
with cooling it down in ice tanks, um, so on and so forth, and keeping our core nice and strong, so our core is now supporting our, our lower back as, as well as our spine. So that's an issue, um, but again, I don't know any punter or kicker for a while that doesn't have to manage some type of back issue. It's just the nature of the game. Um, but outside of that, I'm pretty fortunate. I, I find that if I stop working out and stop training, uh, things hurt more. Uh, it, it, that motivates me to keep in shape. Muscles are keeping things in place and in alignment. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I, uh, I think, yeah, like you said, most kickers of the game, there's something that kind of gets to them. And, and for me, I, I was more punter-focused when I tried to pursue the league, and so I, for a little while I had left knee problems. And um, and just I've learned actually recently just trying to get back into shape. So a lot of those pains go away when you just sort of maintain your body. Kind of leads me to about, to an earlier question here, and I kind of want to get more into your career. You know, playing in the 90s, um, you know, that was kind of the, kind of the decade when I started – kicking and, and started paying attention a little bit more and what was the mindset of just kickers in the NFL at that point because now it's I feel like now it's a little bit different and everybody's trying to be be good what what was it like for you guys and what did you kind of observe as as kickers in general was it just sort of something to do on the side you know and and, and some guys took it serious what was what was the mentality of kickers back then uh at the pro level yes right level um you know I think I don't think it was that much different than it is today, to be honest with you. Uh, a lot of talented guys, um, a lot of you know different styles. You had a Nick Lowry and a Morton Anderson and uh, Norm Johnson and uh, Gary Anderson. So a lot of different styles. Some of the guys born, you know, in on foreign soil, um, and more guys, you know, coming up through the ranks that that were raised here in the United States. Uh, but certainly. A lot to learn. Um, I had a utmost respect for the veterans when I came into the league. I, I wanted to, to just study them and watch them and see how they went about their work, what they did in pregame, what they did during the game. Um, you know, what were, their, what were they doing in the offices to keep themselves in shape or improve? So uh, it was exciting to, to learn that and to research that with guys. It was a little more difficult back then because, like you had mentioned earlier, there wasn't social media, so guys were posting video or talking about it in a public uh, forum. So it's a little more difficult to find that information or find film. Um, but I really was uh, impressed with, with the talent level uh, in the NFL in the 90s. And, um, and then a, a whole new generation of kickers started coming in through in the 2000s. Um, and, you know, with the rule changes, uh, the big rule change in 94, Four was that they moved the kickoff from the 35 back to the 30, and we could use up to a three-inch height kickoff tee, and they cut that tee down to a one-inch, and that rule change alone uh, was responsible for, I would say, almost 25% of, of the older veterans um, phased out of the league because... Moving, moving the kickoff back five yards and cutting two inches off the kickoff tee is just they could not get the balls at the end zone anymore, and they got phased out by younger, stronger guys who may not have been as accurate or talented, but could hammer the ball from that 30-yard line into the end zone. And so 
for five or six years, you saw some bigger guys coming into the league, smashing the ball, maybe not as accurate on field goals, but that that was a development and evolution just because of that one rule change. What was crazy, John, is uh, when I graduated from Ball State in May of 2007, um, I went to the Chicago Bears rookie camp. That was my only um, taste of the NFL. Had a cup of coffee there, and they were like, hey, you got to kick off from the 30. You know, the rules change. So I that was tough for me, being a smaller kicker, more of a finesse-type kicker. I was just, you know, trying to get it to the goal line. Luckily, it's so dang windy in Chicago that there was a solid crosswind that I was able to get most of my kicks to the goal line. But that that's just a crazy change. I mean, um, I guess just spinning off on this topic, John, like, what do you think is going to happen with the kickoff? Uh, do you foresee it diminishing out or, or rule changes? What's your two cents on it? Well, I certainly hope they don't remove it from the game. There are, there are rule committee members that would like to remove it. Uh, I would think that would be a very odd uh, game to watch. Um, <laughs> But we're going to see that here. The AAF is, you know, starting up this winter, right. and they're going to have kickoffs, and so that'll be the first look at what does a football game look like without kickoffs. Um, I hope they don't do that. I think they made a number of rule changes this year on the kickoff play alone, both for the receiving team and the kickoff team, trying to even things out and make it a safer play, and uh, giving the return team some option, more options as far as. Uh, downing the ball getting a touchback so and, and i don't think we've seen the the full uh, repercussions or results from that rule change i i expected to see a lot more specialty kicks on kickoffs and some mortar kicks some line drives uh, some really interesting kicks to really put the, re- the return team um in trouble so and i'm looking forward to seeing the creativeness of these kickers and the special teams coaches you know, one kick that I've seen a lot by guys lately, uh, John, is a left hash to deep right kick. Obviously, that's on purpose. You know, what's what's the thought behind that concept? Well, they're trying to keep the ball in play uh, to force the return team uh, to make a return. Uh, there's only three guys deep, and then you, there's a lot of green grass between those guys and... And they're blockers, so they're, they're aiming for some open spots in the field, and they're trying to hang it up and, and for the kicker to have a little bit more space to, to hit a more powerful uh, mortar kick to get it up there around the 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four range um, and really put the return team in trouble mm-hmm. uh, with that type of hang time. So playing off the kickoff rule, what are your thoughts on the new kick return rule on, in college football? Do you think... Do you like it? Do you think it'll ever carry you over to other levels? Yeah, I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody does. Anybody that kicks. Um, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, so they, they, John, so they can catch the ball on the one, and they can just spare catch it, and they get the ball on the 25 now in college. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, you know, college level, you'll probably see a lot more of the creative kickoffs too, like like you were mentioning as well. I mean, you probably more squib kicks, you know, and, and pooch kickoffs. But uh, do you think, uh, you know, with the the longer PAT that was after your playing days, if that would have happened in, in in your career, do you think it would have affected your career longevity much more, or if it 
kind of came towards the end of your career? Do you think you would have been able to handle a, a deeper field goal or PAT? Well, I'd like to think that it would have affected my career, but I can tell you it's affected a lot of careers. Um, yep. a lot of career. When they first made the rule change several years ago, uh, our NFL guys during the summertime, we, we talked of the of the result from this rule change. Uh, Nick Folk made a really good point that needed to stay kick ready during the course of the game because if it was a quick score because of uh, an interception for a touchdown or a kick return for a touchdown, it wasn't grab your helmet, run out there, pop a 20-yard PAT. It's run out there without any practice kicks, without doing any of your routine on the sideline and hitting a legitimate 33-yard field goal. And 33 yards, a lot can happen at 33 yards. And, um, and as we've seen, uh, I would say... Let's see, in the last three years, um, many of the veteran kickers who have been released from their team were not released because field goals they were missing. They were released because their PAT percentage wasn't sharp. Right. And so uh, it's, it's put a lot of stress on kickers, and it's also added a lot of value to the number of kickers who have been very consistent with the 33-yard PAT, but it's a, it's no joke. That's a, that's a big deal. Um, the NFL has a tendency when they make a rule change regarding kicking, they, they go overboard with it. Um, it, it would have been uh, more, I guess, suitable for them to change it to a 28-yard uh, PAT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the rule cha- the, the the rules committee that I've spoke to the members on the rule committee they they wanted the percentage of PAT to go from ninety nine point whatever it was down to about ninety four. That was their goal. Of course, they, they moved it back to the thirty three and now to twenty eight, and now it's it's hovering around ninety. Uh, and so it, again, they went overboard with it. But, um, but again, we got to do what they, you know, we got to suit up and, and go play the game with the rules they give us. And, and some of the kickers are doing a heck of a job with that 33-yard PAT. The one thing about it is that you can, you can pick whatever hash you want, you know. And if, if you're a guy that likes to be on the left hash and kind of have a little more open, you know, approach, or if you're a guy that's on the right hash and you like to bring the hips with solid contact, you know, I, I like that you can choose three different locations to to make sure you get your, you know, your extra points locked in. And, and you made a really good point. When when they first made the rule change, uh, the NFL kickers that were training with us that summer, we talked about, okay, do you go middle or do you go to the hash? And, and the first year, if you watch at least the first half of the season, most of the kickers were going right down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I disagreed with that. I and I saw, spoke with my kickers, and 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 ever since then, when NFL guys come in, even the college guys, I strongly encourage them to pick a hash, whatever one they prefer, for several reasons. One is you have a mark for the ball to be placed, which is usually the back corner of the hash. When you're in the middle of the field at 33 yards, there is no spot on the ground for you to mark that ball. Um, 
just looking at green grass. The old extra, the old, the old extra point, you're on the 10 yard line, and you're just marking on the back of the 10 yard line, but you still had a, a line, the holder had a line to place the ball on, so you knew exactly where the ball was going to be placed. So, um, so I think that's very important to have a hash mark where you know exactly where the ball is going to be placed on the back corner of the hash mark. Plus, the hash marks are aiming cues. So if I'm looking down the left hash, I, if I know I kick it off, kick my field goal or my extra point a little bit at an angle to the right, it goes, it goes through. Because the hash marks line up with the uprights, it creates a nice alley for yourself. So you kick the ball down the alley, it goes through. So you have now the aiming cue of the hashes going down lining up with the goalpost, so now you have an aiming cue. And lastly, it gets your mind out of the terminology of the PAT. The worst thing a kicker can do coming from college is to, is to walk or jog out on the field going, I'm kicking a PAT. Because from 33 yards, that's no PAT. That's a field goal. And the worst thing he can do is to think PAT. He needs to erase the whole PAT terminology from his mind and know that every time he steps on the field, his mind and focus has to be, this is a legitimate field goal. I need to focus. My mechanics need to be clean like they are for every field goal. This is no PAT. Wow. Great, great interview so far. Hey, what's up, 40 Nation? This podcast has been brought to you by NKR, the National Kicking Rankings Platform. It's the new and innovative national evaluation and rankings platform for kickers, punters, and snappers. Launched in 2017, this camp offers you a great balance of athletic evaluation and instruction. You'll get honest feedback and rankings, exposure to college coaches, but this camp is brought to you by credible coaches with experience that will deliver a high-quality and detailed instruction to you. NKR offers an active social media platform that will give you proper exposure to all the collegiate outlets. This camp was developed by Brian Jackson, Chris Hughesby, and Tom Feely using a proven camp format from the last seven to eight years that specialists have come to love. Many of the specialists have received opportunities to play at all collegiate levels, including Power 5 conferences. If you'd like to attend an upcoming camp this offseason, visit www.nationalkickingrankings.com and check out the camps page. Or follow us on social media on Twitter at NKR underscore camps, that's NKR underscore camps, or on Instagram at National Kicking Rankings to learn more about us and follow our growth. Come see what all the hype is all about and check out nationalkickingrankings.com. So kind of bouncing off what you said here, what um, what advice would you give to the younger NFL guys that are kicking? Because, you know, obviously over the last few weeks we've seen a lot of changes in kickers. You know, I'm in Minnesota, so we have Daniel Carlson and Zane Gonzalez, younger kickers who basically got penalized for missing a few close-range kicks and or PATs. And then you hear on the other end, you know, Coach Tomlin with the Steelers, you know, backs, backs uh, Chris Boswell, you know, after he missed a few kicks. So, you know, what advice do you give to the young kickers and or, you know, what are your thoughts on sort of, you know, kind of coaching mentality with kickers and things like that? And how, how would you, if you were a head coach, how would you handle kickers? Kind of a loaded question here, but we'd love to get your, your thoughts. <laughs> well, Chris Boswell deserves a long leash. He's been amazing. Nothing short of amazing at Pittsburgh, one of the probably most difficult places to kick on a regular basis in the NFL. So um, he deserves a long leash. Um, 
as did Mason Crosby when Mason about four or five years ago was running into his problems and they actually let him fight through his slump for two years and he came out of it and now again he's one of the top kickers in the NFL so some kickers have earned a long leash and deserve a long leash um, if you're young if you're a rookie um, then your leash is short and I have noticed in the past several years the patience the NFL teams have with young kickers is getting shorter and shorter and shorter, and it's not necessarily fair to these guys, but it is what it is. They're pulling the plug on these guys real fast and moving on to the next guy, and sometimes he gets himself in trouble, and, you know, like the Chargers did last year, went through four kickers. Um, the patience of, of the teams now with the with the young kickers is um, is extremely but you know, my advice to the young guys is, well, don't, as Lou Holtz would say, don't buy green bananas because you may not have a chance to eat them. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, one game at a time, I think just because you're on the opening day roster uh, September 1st that you're going to be there for 16 weeks. Um, it is, I got I to gotta prove myself not only on Sundays, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, I need to show up and be that guy um, every week and every game day, and it's a it's a it's a it's a big change, and that's something I had to learn coming out of college. Uh, you know, you get patted on the back for, for having a strong leg, and and you make some kicks, and and you know everybody thinks, hey, you're you're you know greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, that's not the case in the NFL. You need to. And there's no backup behind you. And as you guys know, you you need to build confidence with your teammates, build confidence with the coaching staff and management. And every day at practice, they need to look at you and say, yep, that's our guy. He's getting it done again today. He looks good. We're confident. We're, we're going to get a good night's sleep Saturday night because we know he's going to show up on Sunday. He's going to be good just like he is today. And it takes, it takes maturity and it takes a while to understand that you need to be that consistent on a week-to-week -week basis. And, and the young guys, um, either they haven't been taught that, they haven't learned that yet, or they don't realize that this is a business. And every day they're looking at you, you don't have a track record yet. All, the, all your college accolades and all that wonderful Luke Rose stuff, that's out the window. It means absolutely nothing once the regular season starts in the NFL. It's what can you do for me today? Speaking on that, you know, Roberto was the guy that, um, Roberto Aguayo was the guy that actually attended one of my high school camps in 2012, and, uh, was a staff member for me for a couple camps as a college guy, you know, and speaking off on that, Lou Groza, you know, gets drafted, has his struggles, and, and he was out west during preseason, and I think he's worked with you, you know, so, you know, Chris has just brought it up in conversation, like, and I hate to use this word, but just kind of curious, like, because at some point, do, do kickers get blacklisted? You know, like, or does Roberto still have a legitimate shot to get back in? Does Daniel Carlson have a legitimate shot to get back in? Yeah. Uh, yes and yes. Do kickers get blacklisted at some point? Yes, they do. Um, that's not the case with Roberto nor Daniel Carlson. Uh, I met Roberto um, years ago, actually, speaking of the Groza. I handed the Groza Award to him at the ESPN Awards. Nice. Five years ago, and kept in touch with him ever since. Uh, uh, 
So I encouraged him to come train with me prior to his experience with the Buccaneers. He didn't make it out here. Um, things didn't work out for him at the Buccaneers. Um, from what I hear, and I never asked him about it, but he got caught in between a couple different swings and some mechanic changes and just never got out of it. Um, he has worked with me three times this year, and I am so impressed with where his, his head is right now and where his game is right now. He did very, very well with the Chargers this offseason. He did very well in preseason with the Chargers. Um, he, I really like where his game is right now, and if someone gives him the opportunity, I think he's going to light it up. Um, I really, really like everything he's doing with his kicking game right now. Uh, and, you know, Young Way Koo is the same way. Young Way uh, spoke with him a number of times. Great kid, super good athlete, was a defensive back in high school as well as a kicker. Uh, and we talked about training together prior to him starting his career with the Chargers. Didn't make it out here. And things, you know, again, he got caught with, with uh, some mechanic changes and actually being overkicked at the Chargers. And, uh, and they weren't patient with him. They, they re released him. He's, he came uh, down the road, and we started training together, and he was a super easy fix. He had just not had a lot of formal coaching. We talked about his angle of approach, and from that point on, he's been money. Uh, he trained with us uh, in the weight room a lot and got stronger. Uh, I love where his kicking game is right now, mentally, physically. Uh, he is ready to light it up as well. Those are two young guys that their first go-around with NFL – didn't go as planned. Uh, they are both now better prepared physically and mentally for their next opportunity. I expect both those guys have great careers, and they're just waiting for that next opportunity. So, John, there's probably a bunch of free agents that are listening to this um, podcast. You know, do you get contacted by NFL, CFL, AFL personnel on a weekly basis? That'd be great. <laughs> uh, but no, not on a weekly basis, but um, I would say during the course of a season, maybe three or four times I'll get a call from uh, either management or a special teams coach, and they'll ask me my opinion on the available kickers and punters out there and who do I like and who, I've, who have I seen and uh, a sounding board for them. Kind of, they're, they're going over their ready list, I can tell. They have the ready list in front of them, and and uh, so we get to discuss some of the guys, and, and I love doing that, um, and it's it's interesting to hear the guys that they have on their list or why they have them on their list, and of course, if I believe in one of my guys or, or, or anybody that I know about that I think has NFL talent or is ready to be successful in the NFL, absolutely, I'm I'm giving their name, their their number, their email, their social security number. Pick a Scott. <laughs> that ties in the kind of a user submitted question we got earlier. Uh, Brendan Cahill actually asked if the NFL called you tomorrow, how soon could you be ready to play? <laughs> called Brendan or called me? <laughs> <laughs> Call, called you. <laughs> uh, I would. Um... Up to last year, I was kicking at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. Uh, I enjoy kicking with my clients um, because I, I love competing with them. 
although most of them blow my doors off now. Um, but I, I do like kicking with them and, and kind of discussing as I'm kicking what what's going through my head or why I want to play this ball a little bit left or right or what the wind's doing or, or the conditions of the field or, you know, this turf is long, so we want to have a little bit more traction on our kicking foot or, or this is a really tight turf so we can get away with wearing down our cleats some more to get underneath the ball. And so I, I still enjoy kicking with my guys. Um, this year has been a little busier. I haven't kicked as much, but if a legitimate team called or, you know, they're really serious, I would say three weeks. I don't know if they can wait three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, a lot of, of five-hour energy and, and maybe a Viagra. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, John, I uh, got a few... You know, we got a few fun questions we always like to ask our uh, our interviewees, and then we want to kind of finish up learning a little bit more about carny kicking. But uh, one question we always like to ask our interviewees, and and this will be fun to hear since you've you've been around the game for so long. Uh, can you tell us five of your most favorite NFL stadiums that you've played in? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I always enjoyed playing in uh, Qualcomm Stadium here in San Diego. Uh, used to be called Jack on the naming rights, so I thought that set up really well for kickers and punters. Uh, Grass is good, tight. Um, the winds are always light uh, and and pretty easy to judge, and the weather was most of the time pretty good. So uh, Qualcomm, I really enjoyed here. Um, I like the Coliseum, so I got to play there twice against USC as a Notre Dame player, and then twice uh, against the Raiders when they were the LA Raiders. I just always had good luck in that stadium. I like that stadium, that history there with the, the Olympics and so on and so forth. That was a, a special place to play, and of course the Rams are playing there now. Uh, this may come as an odd choice, but Giant Stadium, the old Giant Stadium, um, that was a windy stadium uh, and a very challenging stadium, but for whatever reason, I had good luck there. Um, for whatever reason, I was able to, to understand the wind patterns there. And uh, at the Charger, playing at that stadium or as a New York Giant in 2008 when I played a season uh, for the Giants, working with um, Lawrence Tynes, who was coming off an injury, uh, I just really enjoyed playing there. And, of course, the Giants have a great, great tradition of, of an amazing franchise there. I got to play with a guy who was old as me, Jeff Fiegels, uh, who was a great, great punter and a great holder. Uh, so it was a lot of fun to play with Jeff. And we, we, we were the number one uh, seed in the NFC that year. They had just won a Super Bowl prior to uh, that year. And we probably would have won another Super Bowl had Plexico Burris not shot him in the leg. Um, when we lost him, we lost uh, a big component of our offense, and the team was just did not run as well without him as it did with him. Um, so we lost in the first round of the playoffs against the Eagles. But um, let's see, that's three stadiums. The uh, the old Metrodome, that was amazing for two reasons. One is uh, the, the stand really close to the back of the goalpost, so every field goal looked very short. So visually, it looked like it looked a 50-yarder looked like a 40-yarder. 
Um, and number two, their head equipment manager at the Vikings was in charge of breaking in the footballs, which is very odd that the head guy would, would take that responsibility. But he did, and he did the most impressive job of breaking in a football of anybody in the league. And so when you went to Minnesota, you had a great field, it was indoor, and you had phenomenal football, so that was always a great place to kick. Uh, that's four of them. Uh, I have to stick with four. <laughs> so, I don't know. What about the Saints? Uh, Superdome. Um, of course, it's indoors, which is great. Uh, it's below sea level, so many kickers and punters think they're going to go in there and the ball's going to fly for days, and it doesn't, and they get disappointed. Uh, it's cement. So unlike the domes that are out now where there's there's windows, there's lights, maybe the dome um, is a bubble dome, so the, the roof is, is, is white and there's some light coming in actually through the, through the fabric, um, the Superdome's really dark and the, the, lighting, the lighting just feels uh, very fake, uh, unnatural. So I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of the lighting of the Superdome, but had some wonderful experiences there. Love that team. Love that organization. Um, had some you know, amazing victories uh, being a part of that franchise. Of course, being part of the Super Bowl run in 2009 was, was really special. Being uh, part of the 2006 reopening of the Dome after Hurricane Katrina, uh, the Drew Brees, debut, uh, the Sean Payton debut, so uh, I love New Orleans, the people down there, they love their football down there, uh, but uh, I wouldn't, the stadium's not the greatest. <laughs> so, you ever in Denver, Sean? Uh, yeah, Denver's nice, I like Denver, uh, I played in the old Denver more than the new Denver, um, the old Denver... They, they kept the grass kind of high, so here you you were in a fantastic place to play because of the altitude, but they had to dig the ball out of the grass. Um, but the new Denver is a great place to play. Um, as you can see, Brandon McManus, who uh, we've worked with Brandon several times, he's just done a phenomenal job there. Uh, but Denver is a lot of fun, a lot of fun to play there just because the ball just seems to go forever, and it's a, it's a lot of fun to kick up there. There's a fun question. I think we've got a couple more left, but um, who do you think will do this uh, and at what yardage? Next uh, longest field goal record. Manis can definitely be that guy. He can do it at ground level. He doesn't need to be at Mile High Stadium. Uh, he's got a cannon. Um, our boy Sebastian can still bang it. <laughs> that 52-yard game winner that he hit yesterday had another or more, uh, so he can still bang it. Um, there's so many talented legs out there; it's not even funny. Um, you know, our guy Steven Kaskowski, who is just an amazing, amazing kicker, he can still bang it. Uh, let's see; it's just uh, you could probably pick. At least half, so 16 kickers around the league probably all have the ability to go 65 plus if conditions are right. Uh, 
Uh, and of course, I think what uh, Prater Prater has a sixty-four yarder, I, and he can still crush it. So um, it's it's fun to watch these young guys uh, bang the ball. Um, it's very 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 impressive. I think Tucker probably has the most pull. I feel like he could tell his coach, like, all right, here's a seventy or here's a sixty-seven. You know, it's whatever kind of factor in the game. Let me let me give it a try. Like, I feel like he has enough pull with his coach and obviously his ability. Uh, you know, and he's a he's a guy that a lot of get like. You know, I agree. Uh, I should have mentioned Tucker. He, absolutely, I know he's got a sixty-yard game winner against Detroit a couple of years ago. Maybe that was his rookie year or second year. Uh, super super talented. You know, obviously that's no secret. Uh, he just continues. To year after year, put in um, um, amazing statistics. Uh, I love his confidence. I love the way he attacks the ball, but he stays in control. But he attacks it, and um, yeah, very exciting guy to watch. Yeah, it's uh, definitely an exciting time. You know, you can just tell that the talent pool of kickers are getting better. Uh, I guess one question I have for you, John, and then I want to ask about Carney kicking is, you know, you've 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 played for so many years. You know what are what are some moments, you know, game situations, you know, just just moments of your career that that kind of stand out as you reflect over your years playing. Well, uh, a funny moment, which you'll be like, why is he talking about a season that they went one and fifteen? But uh, we uh, asked the Chargers in two thousand in the year two thousand, we went one and fifteen. We were headed about week 12 to be the first team to go 0 and 16 and so all of a sudden all the media started showing up hey these are going to be the the top losers of nfl history and go 0 and 16 now of course detroit did us that favor a couple years later and then cleveland did it a couple years ago but um no one had done it to that point go 0 and 16 so we had a lot of attention on us i think it was week 12 or 13 we play in kansas city at home we play a tight game. At the end of the game, we, we kick 52-yarder to put us up, and they don't do anything with the ball after that, so we win the game. And the locker room, I tell you, it looked like we won the <laughs> championship game. <laughs> so if you take a picture of the locker room at that moment, and then the locker room when the Chargers won the AFC championship game against Pittsburgh in, in 1994, I mean – Guys cheering and crying and smoking cigars and you name it, just because no one wanted to have to be part of the team, the first team to go 0 and 16. So that that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, uh, one that that is very heartfelt was after Hurricane Katrina and our city was underwater in New Orleans and people, you know, it was it was a mess. It was a real disaster and. We're stuck in San Antonio. Now we're going to play a football game, first regular season game against the Carolina Panthers, chosen to win our division that year. And we go to Carolina, and we play a very good game, and we we hit, we hit a 47-yard field goal at the end of the game to, to beat the Carolina Panthers. And that was very uplifting for our team, our franchise, our city, the people of the Gulf South. And that was a really special moment that um, we could put it together for that game and and come away with a W against a very, very good Panther team. That's awesome. So as we 
forward now into present day. Um, you're doing a lot of great things out there in San Diego and California and a Kearney training facility. And for those that have stuck with us, and we'll put um, social handles in the bio, but uh, Carney Kicking on Instagram and Carney Coaching on Twitter. You guys need to follow Coach Carney. Uh, so, John, maybe just tell us uh, what made you decide to start Carney Kicking. Uh, well, my good friend Steve Weatherford, who I believe has been on your podcast, uh, probably is partially responsible for this. He came to the Saints in 2006 as a rookie punter from University of Illinois. Um, Steve and I hit it off, became very good friends. He decided he wanted to train with me every offseason in San Diego, and so he and his wife, Laura, started spending time with us uh, in the offseason in San Diego, and it started to grow. So in the off-seasons, I had a gym in my garage. It was Steve, and then Nick Folk, and then Nick Novak, and uh, then Josh Brown, and, and guys were just joining us in the off-season to train, and, and became a lot of fun, and we had a good little group going, and so as I was slipping into retirement, I just moved the gym into a warehouse and added a few more machines and said, hey, let's do this for real. Let's invite anybody that wants to come. High school, college, pro, specialists, punters, kickers. We have snappers that come out here and um, make this an environment for improvement, an environment for motivation, an environment to get you where you want to go with your with your game of, of uh, kicking, punting, and snapping. And so we've had a lot of fun. We, we continue to learn. We continue to change our program. And we continue to help guys reach uh, the next level, whatever level that are headed towards. That's awesome. You know, I've, you know, Brian and I started training kids um, close to almost 10 years ago now, but uh, I love it. You know, just that opportunity to change a kid's life and make them get, you know, help them get better and reach their goals. You know, what have you enjoyed so far with training athletes? Well, you do get an opportunity to develop a relationship with them. Um, it's nice not that. Not like a one-on-one -on -one session where you're with a kid for an hour and you teach them some mechanics and and uh, and then you say, "Hey, good luck, go get him, Tiger." Uh, you know, we do really spend hours with the kid uh, or 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 adult. I mean, some of these guys are you know NFL men at 25, 26 years old, but we spend weeks with them. Uh, so we're on the field, we're training, we're in the gym, we're training, we're watching film. Uh, we're filling up a cold tank. So all that extra time, we're, we're discussing all aspects of, of kicking and preparation. What, what's your pregame like? What's your, what do you, what, what's your behavior like during the game? What's your thought process after you miss a field goal? Um, what's your thought process when you have a backup snapper that just comes in because your starter got hurt? And so we, we really try to cover as many aspects of the kicking game, hunting game, snapping game as we can so we can hopefully prepare these guys um, to the best of our ability so they're they're never caught off guard, they're never surprised, they're never unprepared. And, uh, and that's exciting. It's exciting to see them go on and succeed their career. And, um, and I'm learning too. Uh, NFL guys come in and I, I ask them, what did you learn this year? What are you doing? Make room that's new. Uh, what happened in this situation during the season? I saw this happen. You know, how did you handle that? So uh, I continue to learn because during your own career, it's self-analysis. But now 
I've got to turn around and have the opportunity to analyze everybody else. Why? Why does this guy kick so well, but his form is different? Why does that guy punt so well, but his drop is high or his drop is low? And so it's really fun to, to analyze everybody else now and get away from analyzing myself. That's just a random question because I've seen on uh, Steve's social media as well as your social media uh, that I see a ton of quotes on the wall in the training facility. Is that like something where, you know, if you come in and put the work in, you know, you get to earn, you know, putting up a motivational quote like on the wall or something that's just kind of hit me in sideways. I was kind of curious because it was, it was intriguing to me. Yeah, that, that actually started in my garage. So, uh, yeah, we started writing quotes on the wall in my garage, and then we kind of continued that when we moved the gym to the to the new facility, Carney Training Facility. Uh, so we got some great quotes. Um, some are, you know, great quotes over time from, from generals and philosophers, and some are self-made quotes. Uh, if you do earn the right to put a quote on the board or the wall, um, we let it sit up there for a couple of days to see if we like it, and then if you don't like it, the sponge comes out. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. I was kind of curious. It's very intriguing. It looks like an awesome setting, and uh, Chris and I have talked about uh, coming out there sometime just to talk kicking and learn and learn from you guys. Um, I'd love to be able to, to, to witness uh, all the great things you're doing out there, John. Well, you guys have an invite, so... Whenever you guys can make it out, just give me a shout. Well, John, my last question here is for, for aspiring kickers, whether in the college level or, like you said, high school or for sure, you know, free agents out there that want to train with you, what's what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, best way is just go to the website, carneycoaching.com, and shoot me an email. Um, if you're a DM person, uh, you can DM me on, on Instagram, carneykicking. Um, that's probably the, the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Um, and I look forward to working with everybody. So we've had kickers and punters at every talent level and every age. Um, I, I recommend spending the week, the week here because we can cover soup to nuts in one week. So, and, and you'll, you'll be on the field at least three days and you'll be in the weight room five days. So we can cover a lot of material and teach you uh, routines and make some progress. Yeah, so guys, for those of you that are listening, college guys, NFL guys, even high school specialists, uh, especially if you're out on that West Coast or if you uh, have to make it out West, hit up uh, Coach Carney. Again, uh, Carney Coaching on Twitter, Twitter um, and Carney Kicking on Instagram. And he also set his website and his email Make sure you guys hit, hit him up and uh, go learn some new stuff. Guys, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, our pleasure, John. This was uh, such a thrill. Might be my favorite interview so far over the ones we've done, so this was really fun to do. So thanks again. Well, thanks, guys. And keep up your great work. Uh, get this podcast. It keeps on picking up speed. And, and uh, I know there's a lot of listeners out there that really enjoyed uh, all the podcasts you've done so far. And uh, keep up the great work. Uh, fantastic stuff. Um, great material. Thank you, sir. Yep. Thanks, John. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. God bless. Chris, uh, man, that was, uh, I was entertained the whole hour and whatever minutes we did that interview.
Yeah. I, like I like I mentioned in that interview, man, probably my favorite one so far. I mean, I I probably had twenty more questions I could have asked, so we may just have to do a part two with him down the road. Yeah, I really hope that our viewers have have listened this far, even into our ending here. Uh, but man, John Carney just—it was wonderful having him on the podcast. A lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, and it was really cool to hear his concept and different things. He, just little things like the 33-yard hash kick, you know, or a spot on the line, just little things like that. Just so cool to pick his brain and, and get some really awesome content from these guys. I agree. And if you like the term golden nugget, so many golden nuggets for, for kids of all ages, kickers, punters, you know, that uh, it was awesome. Hey, if you guys like the podcast, please give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. We've got some awesome people on this podcast providing you all free knowledge, free value about fourth downs and everything that Pat McAfee started with for the brand movement and what we're doing with the fourth down experience. We're providing you guys free knowledge bombs. We'd really appreciate you guys giving us a five-star review, following us on Instagram and Twitter at the fourth down experience. Uh, Thank you again for listening. Uh, We hope you guys tune in next week as we have another awesome guest coming up. Yes. And uh, just a thank you for all you listeners. We are just a few hundred listens away from hitting 10,000. So uh, a fantastic milestone for us, something that we're super proud of. We do want to share it with you because you guys have helped make this possible. So, you know, like we always say, if you can, you know, share the wisdom. You know, when we post these podcasts, if you like it, please retweet it. Share it with other specialists so everybody else can learn. It's a, it's a specialist fraternity out there. So, again, thanks again, guys, for all your support, and we will see you next week. Deuces. Later. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast today. And just a reminder, if you need gear for kicking, punting, or long snapping, Wizard Sports Equipment has you covered. They offer quality products, quality service, and affordable prices. So if you want 5% off your next order, go to www.wizardsports.com. That's wizardsports.com and get 5% off your next order. And remember, enter discount code 4thDown, that's the number 4, T-H-D-O-W-N, to get your 5% off your next order. Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4thDownExperience.